Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, there's a nice light sprinkle out this morning, folks. Welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. It's a beautiful morning out there. A little bit wet, but not soaked, and a little bit cool, but not cold. A lot bit humid, and great for all of our plants. Happy Sunday. Welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, where we can talk about the landscape of your dreams or your nightmares. Or if you're growing something different, unique, we would love to hear from you. There's lots of styles. We have plants here from all over the world, from every continent. I don't know if we have any from Antarctica, but, you know, we have them from most of the places anyway. And certainly being in our subtropical climate, which the weather reminds us of today, uh, we can grow a lot of different things. We have beautiful natives. You know, we have uh, our ironwood trees, Palo Verdes, the state tree. Uh, thing. I don't know why they didn't uh, name. I guess we have, must have a state cactus. I'm not sure what it is. But it's hard to choose from the Engelman uh you know, varieties to the uh, choyas, the prickly pears, hedgehogs. I mean, lots of really cool cactus out there. And is it going to ever be a nice bloom this spring? You know, this is the perfect weather to set up uh, a wonderful wildflower season and beautiful cactus bloom season. You know, even if we don't get a lot more rain, a lot of plants are already germinated up out there in the desert and uh, we'll have a lot of flowers to come. Anyway, whatever your dream, give us a call. If you've got something different and you're doing at home, we would love to learn. There's lots of styles, lots of things to grow, lots of ways to grow them, places to grow them. And we have more and more tropical plants here recently. You know, there's a lot of mangoes and papayas around town. And be mindful of the fact it might get cold again next weekend. So if you got those, you know, real tender tropicals, be ready to protect them a little bit. And uh, on the other hand, it's the perfect season to get out and experience some of Arizona's citrus. Now's the time when it really starting to ripen. The navels are going to be about as good as they're going to get. The lemons are ready. And uh, we've got different tangerines. Some are ready now. Others a little bit later. Mineola tangelo season. Yeah, they're not quite here yet. The sugar content's not good enough. But we're going to get some warm days here one of these days. And they'll warm up and you know, I think that's one of the best fruits in the world. But anyway, whatever you want to grow, if you've got a different way to grow things, you know, different idea on growing things, something unique you're growing, we would love to hear from you. The number to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. We start off every Sunday with pretty open phones in the last half hour or so. It's kind of tricky to get in. So if you're listening early, call early. And we have the lovely Shira back here on phones and music, smiling, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And uh, we're Joined by Troy Barrett with the news. It's, it's kind of fun having the regular team here, and we seem to have that these days. Anyway, it looks like Harlan's our first caller this morning from Chandler. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning. Um, my purple leaf plum, and I don't remember anything anymore. Is it kind of late in the year for it to be dropping all its leaves, or is this the normal time? And when will it start to bloom again? Well, you know, they really, um, Harlan, are kind of, you know, this time of year, it's not cold enough here in the valley to really knock the leaves off like it would if they were up in Prescott or, you know, higher elevations. They'll grow all the way to Flagstaff. So it's kind of going, oh, should I lose my leaves or not? But it, uh, you know, typically can stay evergreen all the way into somewhere about now and may or may not drop all of its leaves. And the flowering cycle on them typically is going to be about the first or second week of uh, February, somewhere around Valentine's Day. It's 
it's Ooh, nice. It's one of the earlier blooming trees here. Some of the peaches bloom that time, and and the flowering pears do. But then along comes the purple leaf plum. Beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome, and enjoy them. I, you know, it's always been a tree that just adds so much color and character to a garden. And they're so easy to grow. Well, for some people. <laughs> <laughs> then I got lucky. <laughs> well, you got lucky. And if you establish in the right time, you know, for those listening, if you want to plant one, plant one now. And don't put it on the west side of the house and rock. You know, put it where it's either in lawn or on the east side or maybe even the, the south side with some shrubs around it. It'll be happy. I planted it two years ago in November when we had that real warm fall where it stayed warm practically till December. That was a couple of years ago. Thank you again. Everybody have a good Sunday. You too. Thanks, Harwin. Thanks for being the Thank first you. caller. Waking everybody up. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got Grace and Chandler. But after Grace, we've got open lines. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Grace. Good morning. I really tried to be the first caller, but missed it. Just barely missed it. <laughs> oh, that Harlan <laughs> snuck in on you there. <laughs> he did. He did. Um, so I am finally done redoing my backyard. I went from 10 very mature plants to almost 40 new plants that were either three to five gallons each. And when I put them in the soil, I used the Fox Farm conditioner at the bottom and then I augmented 50% of the native soil with that conditioner as well. I also decided this time to use, I don't know what they're called. They're stakes that you stick in the ground that have holes throughout them. And then you put your drip irrigation inside of that. And then it supposedly spreads by the roots. Okay. So I also did, I did that. So now I'm wondering how do I properly water all of my new plants? Well, you just get up in the morning on Sunday with a name like Grace, and you say a little prayer, and then the Lord provides, right? I mean, it looks like it's pretty yep. today, and maybe going to rain tomorrow. So, gosh, it could be, you know, we couldn't exactly. have much nicer weather than we do right now. But how long, how long, how long ago, Grace, did you install your plants? Yesterday. Oh, okay. So what you want to do is you want to err on the side of humidity and wetness and all those kind of things. So for now, uh-huh. it wouldn't hurt to water them probably three times the first week. And are okay. you, did you already have a drip system installed? Yep, drip system was put in yesterday as well. Okay, so um, ideally you would have watered them from the bottom up the first time, okay, especially because... Well, you did I little... did that. So I should say that. I should say that. I filled, I watered the pot before I planted, mm-hmm. so they've been sitting in, they were wet, and then when I put them in, I water soaked them big time. Okay, so as long as we have them yeah. well saturated, uh, you know, then yep. I'd probably water them three times the first week. Okay, okay. Air, air on the side, then it's going to be absorbed in the ground. Though this year, most of our soil was probably, when you were digging the holes, were the soil pretty moist? Oh, yeah. Well, it was it was very nice. It was okay. very nice. I thought I had more clay than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, it compacts very well into clay, but it broke up very easily. Well, and it's just nice. We've had all that rain that really helps that. And that leaches yep. our salts out. It does all kinds of wonderful things. So what I would do is uh-huh. water, water them three times the first week. And then, you know, just kind of watch the soil and the rain and what we have for weather. Looks like it's going to be pretty cool. If you plant anything that was very frost tender, you might be prepared to cover it up next weekend. Uh, you know, you okay. really kind of check your temperatures. Once this rain and all this moisture clears out, you know, we're predicting temperatures in the, you know, 
mid thirties, you know, for a lot of places, but that Ooh, might okay. be in the low thirties at your house. And for new plants, okay. especially if they came from a nursery and had been recently in a greenhouse, they might enjoy a little protection. So kind of watch the okay. weather or the first clear, clear morning. If you would, uh, you know, check your weather with whatever weather source you want to, to kind of get a way to predict it. And, um, yeah. you know, you really don't want I to see- have new t- frost tender plants be really under freezing when they're brand new. Yeah, and I, I, I find that my area, uh, my backyard is a little bit warmer than what they predict on weather. Well, that's fantastic. So you're all yeah, set. Yeah. What I would probably do is, is, you know, in normal weather, I would be watering them probably twice a week, you know, through the spring. Okay. But you may not need to. You know, you're just going to have to watch and see if it rains every week or not. Okay, so now when I'm watering uh, after it, it, you know, like probably next week or, mm-hmm. yeah, because it's going to be raining most of this week. When I water them that first week, about how long? Uh, it's two gallon emitters on each plant. So two gallon, three times a week. Two, two gallons of water should be plenty. Okay. Okay. If you dug a hole, you know, okay. say twice the size of the container, you put two gallons of water on, should be plenty. Yep. Okay. And then when should I start fertilizing them and what's the best way to fertilize them? Well, you can fertilize the, the very best ways in soil. You said you're doing all these all this work would be to put a fertilizer injector into your system that you could put liquid in. You can inject it right into your drip system and fertilize everything. And that's certainly doable. Well, I, and um, I don't know how to do that. Well... Where would I... The guys over at Sprinkler World sell a pretty nice uh, kit, and they'll go in and explain it to you. Okay. And probably some okay. of the other irrigation houses probably handle them as well. That's one way to go. Okay. It's, it's a lot more work. But uh, okay. you know, truthfully, the easiest way to fertilize is just put granular fertilizer on top and then hose it in. And, and you could okay. do that with everything, and that would be fine. And the time to fertilize Please. is about the 15th of April. Well, not 15th, 15th of uh, February. Or you can say February. Valentine's Day if you like. But typically okay. that's after. So our last frost, okay, when we really want our plants okay. to start to wake up. And normally our temperature there is going to be about 75 degrees, and uh, they should really kick okay. in and start to grow. And then that granular, is that like a uh, miracle grow or is there well, miracle grows different? Well, water-soluble. And you can certainly fertilize with miracle grow, and it'll work fine. Uh, but you could use like a 10-10-10 or a 20-20-20 granular. Okay. Um, you know, you okay. could use something, if you wanted to give them something that's going to last longer, you could use Osmocote, which is going to be more Osmocote. expensive. But, you know, it's going to break down over about 90 days in the spring. So you could put it on one okay. time, and it'll break down over 90 days and, and be constantly fertilizing your plants. All right. Cool. Thank you very much. Grace, I appreciate have fun. it. I'm I'm sorry I missed your stories this morning, but I had to call in and find out. <laughs> All righty. Well, have, have, have a nice weekend. <laughs> Bye, Grace. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Lucy, Marianne, and Pam. And if you'd like to be after Pam, all you have to do is give Shira a call. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 602-277-KTAR. Johnny Cash and Bill Clinton, as it should be. Well, I woke up Sunday morning. No way to hold my head that didn't hurt And I washed my face and combed my hair Stumbled down the stairs to meet the day Then I crossed the empty street Caught the sunny smell of someone fried chicken And it took me back to something That I'd lost somehow somewhere along the way Sunday morning sidewalk 
something or Sunday Makes a body feel alone There ain't nothing short of dying Half the throne's and as the sound On the sleeping city sidewalk Sunday morning coming down Ladies and gentlemen, Lyle Lovett. Well, welcome back, folks. Uh, beautiful morning out there. We're going to cut Lyle Lovett out. Not that he's not a good guy and all, you know, but uh, we just had to hear Chris Christopherson. Anyway, welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. I'm going to have Lucy up in Phoenix, the Marianne, Pam, and then the number to call. 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Good morning, Lucy. Good morning. I uh, received uh, a gift of a succulent, uh, a lot of little succulents in about a six-inch pot, and they're so dense. I was just water- wondering how I'm going to water them, or or how frequently do I water them? Now, Lucy, are you going to keep them indoors? Yes. Okay. So indoors, most succulents can be watered somewhere between weekly and once every two weeks. If they're pretty large in the container, it might be that they need to be watered weekly. But on average, and especially this time of year, about once every two weeks is fine. They like to be on the dry side. Most of them are grown in pretty light soil mix, so they don't hold much, which is a good thing. And uh, if you've got a window with some decent light, they're beautiful. Well, I was wondering, um, they're so dense that I can't even get down to the the soil. So I was wondering, should I maybe spray them, uh, the, the tops of them? Well, it would be better if you could actually water somehow into the plant. So what you might try and do if they're that dense, Lucy, is just get a funnel. You know, just a small funnel. You could put a funnel on there, and uh, it's not going to take. What what size is diameter is the pod? Is it like six inches? It's about a six inch pod. So if you just put a funnel up through the top, just poke it down in the top, and probably just find a way down through there with the yeah. funnel. And then it. like two funnels full of water. They don't need a lot of water. Okay, and then uh, just uh, about. Once every two weeks or so, like once that. every two weeks, unless you see them start to, they'll start to dehydrate before they'll have any kind of problems. They'll like so shrink up a little. They'll shrink up a little, get a little wrinkly okay. like me. And if they start to get a little wrinkly like me, if <laughs> like you give me. them some water, they'll puff back out. So, yeah, I mean, and, and they're pretty pretty good that way. But you really don't want to overwater them. But you know, I think a funnel might be an easy solution for you. Okay, and south window would be good. South window would be perfect. Okay, thanks, million. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Marianne and Mesa. Good morning, Marianne. Good morning. Yes. How are you today? Oh, enjoying the beautiful morning. Good. Me too. Hey, I have a really bad spurge problem in my backyard, and I have pets okay. who eat anything. All so. Right. Please help me get rid of this thing. <laughs> well, if you have bad spurge, uh, it shouldn't be bad right now. Spurge is usually is. bad in the summer. It time. is. Well, does it have yellow flowers, the one you have? Not quite, but the stench is, I mean, it stinks so bad in the backyard. Like, skunks are there. Okay. is It must be like a clover you have. So, and do you have any herbivores? I mean, do you have any pet turtles or do you have any? 
No. Rabbits. No. So you're just talking about dogs and cats and things like that. Correct. Okay. So most of the most of those herbicides are going to be fine. Shouldn't be, you know, a problem for them. You always want to read the instructions, but you know, you could probably use a 2,4-D product like Weed Be Gone and then put down okay. a pre-emergent. You'll have to do both because it's late in the season. And what I would recommend is letting the lawn grow tall, not mowing it, catching it at full growth, you know, maybe with a week or two's growth on it. Do you have winter grass or not, Marianne? I do. Okay. So, yeah, let it let it grow like an extra few days and then spray it with a 240 okay. product. And that's systemic. That should go down and kill all the dichotomous plants so it should kill any kind of spurge okay. or or what you know whatever you have there and uh it should take care of those guys and then if you put a pre-emergent and water it in or if you wanted to put the pre-emergent even on first like today and get the rain over the next few days for it to be taken in that way would work very okay. well and you should be able to eliminate it you know you always want to read in the labels and, and we'd be gone and those chemicals should be safe for pets once they're dry you don't want to spray it on them right you know unfortunately that's uh, agent orange it was sprayed on many people during Vietnam era, right. same chemical, but right. it is pretty mm-hmm. safe if you keep it off of the animals and let it dry first on the plant. Okay, so when you say pre-emergent, do you have a product name that I could look well, for? You could use one like Preen if you wanted to. That's more common. You could find okay. uh, pendimethalin okay. is a really good one, and it would be Pendulum. Uh, you, you could find, but you know, there, there's different ones. Most of them are going to work pretty well on the, you know, on the okay, oxalis, which is probably your wheat. Okay. Okay, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Marianne. Bye-bye. Next, we've got Pam in Scottsdale. But after the lovely Pam, we have wide open phones. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. You know, in the first hour, we never was busy on the phones. The second hour, gets a little tricky getting in. So give us a call. We could talk about anything you want to grow, water, plant, fertilize, or kill. Or if you have a different suggestion, an idea, or way to, to work on things, we would love to hear from you as well. Pam, good morning. Um, hi, I have actually two questions. One is very weird. Last year, I planted in the fall broccoli, and it grew beautifully. I had six plants, but I got not one head of broccoli on it. Have you ever heard of that, or what did I do wrong? It all went vegetative. You know what, Pam, I really haven't grown a lot of broccoli myself. You know, my my best hits on broccoli is whenever I'm down at the palm farm down by Yuma, and the guys skip a little check chunk on the end of the row, and I harvest some. But um, I I'm probably not the best expert, but you know, I would imagine there's somebody listening here that could probably help us more. That's got a lot more experience, so we'll throw it out to the air. And if anybody's got a great uh, idea and experience for for growing broccoli, we can probably find somebody with a lot more knowledge than me, and um, they can call in. And if that doesn't work for us, what I would really recommend is calling the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension Service, and they've got a group of master gardeners that work there, and they have a lot of experience growing broccoli. So we're better off with somebody who's grown more than me to give us the best advice, okay? Okay. My second question, and really why I called in, is um, we we have lived in our home for over 40 years, and we have had citrus trees for all those years. And um, I have a citrus tree that we, a navel orange that we planted probably five years ago. So it's a, probably about a 10 year old tree. And I can't tell you what the breed, the brand or breed of, of um, navel is. I just know it's a navel tree. 
But um, I, it has terrible fruit on it. Um, it- it's most of the time dried out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this last year, I said to my husband, okay, we are going to be very careful. We are going to fertilize it every time it says to fertilize, and we're going to make sure that we, we deep water it. Now, we have 12 other citrus trees that we don't have any problem with. It's just this one tree. Um, and we don't, we're not in any hurry to pick. We've picked a little bit of fruit off of the tree. But yesterday I went out and picked these really nice, big, beautiful oranges. And I came in to cut them up, and every one of them was dried out. Pam, the problem, and, the problem is it's on the wrong rootstock. Okay. It's, it's, okay. And the tree's probably growing fast, and the tree's probably quite pretty. Yeah, it's yeah. probably eight feet tall and eight feet wide. Mm-hmm. And and the problem it's on the wrong rootstock. Now, if you wanted to save the tree and use it for a you know useful purpose, what you could do is you could graft it and change it into a mini Olatangelo. And the mini Olatangelo will grow fine on almost any kind of rootstock, and you get a really good quality fruit back out of it. But that if it's a navel and if it's on the wrong rootstock, it's not going to ever produce good fruit, especially if it's on a lemon rootstock, like a macrophylla. And uh, sometimes, unfortunately, people grow those trees, and they grow them on the wrong rootstock. So the tree grows fast, and it's really pretty. But uh, bless you. But it's never going to produce high-quality fruit. So either you can graft it or you can replace it, but don't expect much out of it. Okay. I, I, it makes me really sad because I bought it from a nursery. So I'm assuming that I'm getting the right fruit. Um, well, it, the, prob- the problem so is, is that it's with, so with navel oranges, okay, especially, um, they really do best on a sour orange rootstock. And there's other ones that they'll do pretty good on, like a Carrizo rootstock, they'll do pretty good. And a, and a C35, they'll do pretty well. But if it's on a lemon rootstock, the fruit's never, this tree is going to grow beautifully. It's going to have the most beautiful oranges you've ever seen that have, that are dry. And that, that's just what happens on the wrong rootstock. So you really can't fix it. The only fix would be is if you wanted to graft it into a tangelo. And if you did graft okay. it into a tangelo, you could grow some beautiful tangelos on that tree. And that rootstock will be, you know, work very well for tangelos. It's just not going to ever produce a good navel. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pam. And maybe somebody will call us and tell us more about broccoli than I know. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Have a nice morning. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Well, it looks like Mr. Troy Barrett's entered the studio, folks. Not that he doesn't sit on the other side of the studio about 20 feet from me. The rest of the day, writing all this news up. But we'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Shira will still be here on the phones. You can give her a call during the break. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. And you could be up after Elizabeth and Kim on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM. K-T-A-R Girl Tell me only this That I have your heart For always And you Want me by your side Whispering the words I'll always love
break into that song. <laughs> sure, and I heard it, well, well, okay, we'll play a little more. Uh, anyway, welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We do have three lines available. Sure, back here smiling on the phones and the music. You can give her a call at 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. Elizabeth DeMesa, good morning. Hello, how are you? Great, how are you? I'm good. I am planning to take out the my front lawn and put in artificial turf and I have a very old large ash tree mm-hmm. so I was thinking of leaving a like a two foot border around it for just dirt would that be enough to be able to water that satisfactorily and how often should I water it? Well as what's going to happen if that big ash tree grown up in lawn is it a shamel ash or Arizona do you know I, what type? I, I have no idea. Does, it, does it, it have was, leaves on it now? No. Okay, so it's probably an Arizona ash. Could be a Fantex, Fan West, or some type of Arizona ash. So that being said, it's going to need to be deep watered, okay? Right. And it's going to need to be watered pretty much like out to the drip line where the branches go in the tree. Okay, okay. so you could install a, a subterranean or a drip system, uh, but you're going to want to water it from the trunk out to where the branches stop. And okay. you don't have to water it that often. This time of year, you water it once every, well, while it's dormant until it leaves out, you don't need to water it at all. Okay. But once it once it starts to leaf out, you know, and we're start, it's targeting and most ashes like that, probably mm-hmm. mid February or so. You're going to want to water it once every two weeks in the winter time, and then into the spring and the fall, and probably once a week in the summer. But okay. you're going to want to water it for several hours. So if you take a tree that size, it's probably going to want two or three hundred gallons of water when you okay. water it. So whatever it takes you with your irrigation system to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, you can run your irrigation and you can have, a, 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 you know, kind of a drip system that runs all underneath the base of the tree. Or okay. you could even come up by the trunk of the tree and put in some, you know, because you're taking the irrigation out that had the sprinkler heads on it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, you could run the sprinkler heads you know, from the tree out so that you maybe put four tree, four heads around the tree and they would spray out from the tree and okay. uh, you could run them like that for a few hours and, and run them, you know, to, to get the water back. But, you know, the tree is going to miss the lawn. Okay. Is it just going to be too hot? Well, it does not going to have the moisture, and it's going to be too hot. Okay. I mean, the difference, you know, 2,500 square foot of grass in your yard is the same as a 10-ton air conditioner. So okay. it does a lot of cooling. But the heat's not going to bother the tree so much, and the tree's going to shade that area and keep it all cooler. But what you do need to do is you have to replace the water the tree was getting. How did you water your lawn historically, Elizabeth? 
Oh, I lately I've just been doing it with a manual sprinkler and moving mm-hmm. my sprinkler around the yard. Well, like, you know what? If you want to do that with your manual sprinkler and just have one of those little sprinklers with a circle on it or a couple of them. Yes. And if you want to just water your tree the same way you did your lawn. Okay. But what you want to do is you want to water that tree. Like I say, when it starts to leaf out in the spring, once every two weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the heat of the summer, especially, you know, late June, early July. Um, mm-hmm. But if we don't have a monsoon right through the summer, about once every week, the tree will stay very healthy. Okay. All right. Because I was watering my lawn like when it was very hot in the summer, like every other day. Mm-hmm. It won't need near that frequency. Okay. okay. And you All certainly right, have no reason to water except for right under the base of the tree. And a yes. sprinkler like that turned up to a low level where the water will go and kind of, we call it sub or dissipate through the lawn or what through the artificial lawn now, uh, will work fine. Okay, so I should increase the perimeter around the base of the tree that I'm going to. Well, you could you, could, you could run your artificial lawn right up to the tree if you like. You don't have to okay. have, have any kind of perimeter around it. Okay, that's not okay. going to bother the tree at all. And okay. you know that artificial turf is going to be porous to your water. Right. So, but you're just going to have to water it for a long time. Okay, and then okay. kind of a slower. You won't turn it up on a full blast on your sprinkler head. Um, mm-hmm. But as long as you're replacing the water the tree was getting, it'll be happy. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks, Elizabeth. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Kim in Phoenix. But after Kim, we have wide open phones. Yes, that's right, folks. Uh, we'll be right. You can be right up after Kim. And uh, we have the lovely Shira back here answering the call. So put her to work. She's smiling back here. She likes, she likes to talk to you. <laughs> anyway, good morning, Kim. Good morning, Brian. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for being part of our program. I uh, um, raised garden bed, um, and I planted a few months ago a butternut squash um, baby plant, and it's grown up, and it's giving me a couple of little squash so far. But my question is, uh, I had covered it with some frost cloth when we were having those really cold temps, and now it has uh, what looks like a little white fungus or something growing on the leaves. How do I get rid of that, and will that affect um, its produce? There's a product called Monterey Disease Control, which can work fairly well on powdery mildew. And this, you know, normally it's just the temperatures and the humidity we've had was why we have it. Now, be prepared to cover again here towards the end of next week. And your squash will come out great in the spring because you have it established now. And so what you want to do is put up some little stakes so the frost cloth isn't touching the plant. Just keep the frost cloth suspended over the top. It should be fine. But Monterey Disease Control, you should be able to find any nursery or garden center. And basically, it's a, a bacteria that kills fungus, okay? And the powdery mildew okay. is a fungus, and so you can spray it right on the foliage, and it works pretty well, and it's biologically safe. It's got an organic certification, and it's a good way to go after it without using any kind of a harsh chemical. Okay, very good. And that will seep into the soil, and it'll get whatever might be down in there as well. Well, it does, actually. You know, it can work in the soil, and it yeah. can work on the plant. So you'd spray it on the foliage and let it spray underneath the plant in the soil as well. But powdery mildew okay. is usually just existing in the plant, and so you want to get most of it on the foliage. Okay, understood. All right. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks, Kim. Bye-bye.
And that leaves us with wide open phones, folks. Yes, that means the host is just going to talk about something until you call. So if you've got an idea or something different, some other kind of thing you want to talk about, we would love to hear from you. There's certainly plenty of things to grow in a garden, all kinds of styles. You know, in vegetable planting season, uh, as we were reminded by Kim, is you know here for a lot, a lot of things are through the winter. But, uh, you know, you can still grow your lettuce, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, all those kind of fun things. But, you know, not far away, the 15th of February is when we typically would plant, you know, our frost tender vegetables. So things like, I know, I know you'll, many, a lot of you are growing them at home now, but things like tomatoes and peppers, uh, you know, can be planted very well that time of year, not worry much about a frost. And all of our melons, cucumbers, cantaloupes, all those kind of fun things. Planting season is just around the corner. You know, typically it's going to be after our last frost date, about the middle of February, and uh, away we go. So a lot of things to get growing in the garden. Uh, we could take advantage of this weather we're having right now. If you haven't pruned and you want to prune deciduous trees or hardy evergreens, so anything from peaches, apples, plums, and pears to pruning your big ash trees, or perhaps you want to change the shape of the pistachio a little bit, or if you want to prune a live oak, this is the perfect time to do so. Uh, another one that you would prune a lot better now would be um, you know, things like pine trees. So if you want to prune any pines or evergreens and do any pruning on those, do it now while they're dormant. Citrus pruning on the other hand, we're usually going to wait a few more weeks. So we'll harvest some of our fruit and we could prune away. But if you want to reduce the size of a citrus tree, the best time to do those would be February. Take our next call. It looks like Kevin in Phoenix. Good morning, Kevin. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Oh, I said my name was Ted. I, uh, oh, okay. I heard that that 15-acre tree farm at Central and Indian School They've been given notice to leave. Uh, the city's going to build a lot of apartments. Have you heard about that? Well, I've actually, um, Ted, I've actually spoken with the owner of the property. He kind of was inviting us to go back and grow trees on there again. So uh, you're, you're correct in the fact that the tree farm's not going to be there for a while. Uh, I don't think that we're going to utilize the property because it wouldn't be convenient to utilize it for a shorter term. I think the long-term goal on his property, though, is to build uh, higher density I'm commercial I'm residential. I'm having trouble hearing what you said. I, I, mean, I, I couldn't hear you. What, what did you say? Uh, you were aware of it? Yeah, yeah I am aware of it. Uh, I'll tell you what, you can you can listen on the radio and I'll talk a little bit more about it. Thanks for the call. Um, so anyway, what's what's I've talked to the owner of the project and what uh, his thoughts are is that uh, they're going to develop a project there. I think it's going to be a mixture between commercial and residential. Uh, what which will fit into the light rail and the and the neighborhood there, but it's not going to happen for probably a couple of years. So you, the, the the nursery that was there is gone, and he's looking for someone to maybe run another tree farm there, but for kind of a shorter term period of time. So we're not sure that we're going to work with him, but uh, anyway, he's uh, going to develop that property one of these days, and he's going to use it as a mixed property with some commercial and residential. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have uh, looks like Tall and Tempe. Good morning. Hello, can you hear me? Very clearly. Brian, uh, thanks for taking my call. I've got uh, olive trees. They produce. I pickle the olives. How do I trim the trees? You know, olive trees are pretty darn amazing because you can prune them all different kinds of ways and have them be very healthy. And olive trees grow just so wonderfully here in our desert. But 
you know, most people are going to grow an olive tree up taller and not utilize the fruit. Um, if you want to keep the tree shorter and easier to harvest, you can prune it down from the top. Commercially now, a lot of the olive trees are grown like in hedges in Southern California, where they have them hedged and, the, and they shear the sides and they only grow them to about 10 feet tall and trim them narrow so they're easier to harvest. But, you know, if your goal is to harvest the fruit, if you'll reduce the, the overall height and keep it as a lower bush, it'll be much easier. I don't need to worry about cutting uh, large diameter branches to keep the height down. Well, you can. I mean, if your main objective is to, um, you know, harvest more fruit, you want it to be easier to harvest. It's certainly not going to harm an olive to prune it down in size. Excellent. Thank you. Well, have fun and enjoy your olive tree. Bye bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Sue in Phoenix. But after Sue, we have open lines. And ever to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. As I look at the letters that you wrote to me, it's you that I am thinking of. Texas Playboys. Anyway, welcome back, folks. And uh, looks like we have a line or two available. Number to call 602-277-5827-277-KTAR. Sue, good morning. Good morning. Hi, Brian. My question has to do with an indoor plant. Mm -hmm. She is turning black around the edge of her leaves. She's something like a, I don't know, I used to call them hostas in Mm -hmm. Michigan. Um, Kind of fragile little well and the problem is the ph of our water you know it's not very good how how long have you had it salt in there well i rescued her from where i work as she was doing so poorly Mm -hmm. and brought her home and boy i'm not helping her (laughs) well it's going to be difficult you know but uh, what you could do is if you could mix a little vinegar with your water and actually if you want to have some litmus paper and do a ph test on it and if you can cut the water ph down below seven and it's probably going to be up above eight um it should you know the new growth shouldn't burn the same way um and you like you know the new growth isn't burning. Yeah, well, you could do that by just adding vinegar. The other thing is right now, because of the rains and the time of year and the use of water here in the valley, our water quality is much better. So you might find that it's just going to kind of clean up on its own right now. But come April, you'll want to test the pH in your water. You can just test your tap water at home. And the minerals and things in the water are going to be fine, but the salt is going to be a problem. So if if, if you can keep the pH... Well, I've been giving her the reverse osmosis Okay. Well, see that. Well, yes, it does. But the problem is, reverse osmosis takes out all the minerals. 
So okay. if it's straight reverse right. osmosis water, if it's not blended, you're, you're taking away yeah. all the minerals from the plant. So while it fixes the pH, you know, it's also not going to get the other minerals that it needs. It's depriving her of, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, I think I'll sit her outside in the rain today. Well, absolutely. You can't beat it. Or if you, want, if, some you, of the salt if you have a way to catch rainwater and if you want to bottle some of it oh, up. Oh, I've got a bucket in. out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you might have to pour Always. it into a jug after you're done. <laughs> One last question, I'll let you go. Mm-hmm. Per cup of water, how much vinegar would I use? Well, what you have to do is just, because there's all different strengths of vinegar, you know, it's going to go from between 4 and 8%, you know, acid. Right. So what it's you, just your normal. What, you, what you've got to do is you got to buy a little test kit, okay? And you can go to like a pool oh, okay. store and buy a pH test kit, but all you do is need a piece of litmus paper, okay? And so you. Uh, uh, piece so, of what paper? Litmus paper. Okay. 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 And it just tells All you right. what the pH is, and you just add vinegar to your water till you get your pH okay. down below seven. Okay. And once your pH okay. is below seven, and it, you might find, I, you know, I haven't really checked the city water, but typically here in the winter time, because we use more river water percentage wise, yeah. and the wells aren't running, our water We're can be better quite, our water can be quite good here in the winter. But you know, if this Great. plant wants to okay. be happy throughout the year, just keep the pH down, and it'll be happier. All right. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Thank Sue. you so much. Have a great weekend. You, you too. Bye-bye. Uh, Bob in Glendale. Good morning, Bob. Hey, good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. Say, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a large pale birdie tree uh, removed, and I had the stump ground out. And I saved about a wheelbarrow full of uh, shavings. I was thinking about using that as mulch around the bottom of some of my wife's rose bushes and or, and or mixing some of it into the garden soil as a stabilizer, as a you know, help the soil in a little more organic matter. Is that a good idea or not? Well, here's the problem, Bob, with it, especially wood like that that's been ground. It's going to rob nitrogen from the soil. It adds carbon, which is good. But there's a carbon-nitrogen ratio that's important when we're using or making mulches and compost. And so it'll work fine for your purpose if you'll add nitrogen to it. So if you wanted to okay. use that and add some chicken manure to it or, you know, on an organic side, or even a little bit of ammonium sulfate or, you know, a little bit of urea or any kind of nitrogen source. But the problem is, is straight wood like that, while it adds carbon, is going to deplete the nitrogen that breaks down. And then it could be counterproductive, especially for those roses. Ah, okay, okay. All right, very good. Thank Thanks, you. Bob. Bye-bye. Uh, Rick and Glendale. Good morning, Rick. Hey, good morning, Brian. Um, I'm looking for a recommendation for an orange tree on the east side of my house. I currently have, I believe, what is a, a navel orange tree and 20-plus years old. It was purchased as a dwarf mm-hmm. orange tree. Um, um, so I would like a different kind because it's all about juicing for me. Um, and if there's possible to get one that's good and has maybe a little bit of different growth cycle, so I'd have a bigger time period to juice, so to speak, that would be great. And the other question is, this is year three for my current navel uh, tree, and the fruit are, for three years now, they're just so small. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just navels take a time to make a tree. Here, Rick, what I would recommend to you is to plant a Valencia. Okay, the Valencia, a Valencia. it's going to be a lot later ripening than a navel. And you can actually juice, juice Valencias here probably all the way through May or June. 
you know, because it, oh, okay. it's the latest carrying over, et cetera. It's the latest ripening. And your navels, depending on Washington or, you know, different varieties, but they're going to be one of the first, earliest ones. So that would be the oh, best okay. combination. You know, unless you wanted something a little tartar or tangier, and then you could also juice many Latangelos. And, uh, oh, okay. They have a pretty now, wonderful flavor, but, you know, like our Tangelos, we're not going to sell them for another two or three weeks still because they're not sure. ripe. But if you taste a good Tangelo right. here when they're ripe, they're awfully good. Now, Brian, am I able to, um, I like the fact that my current tree is a dwarf. It's not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Can I get a dwarf into Valencia? You know, I don't know that you truly can. Um, the ones that we're going to have right now, you know, we used to have a lot of trees available on flying dragon rootstock, um, which which is more of a dwarf rootstock and most trees aren't on that anymore and they'll be on, on different rootstocks. But, you know, for Valencia, um, we've probably got those on a C35 rootstock or, or they're on Carrizo and, uh, they're going to bake a fairly large tree over time, you know, Valencia's going to be a bigger tree. Yeah, those are and so. I, there's really no way. I mean, you obviously can trim the heck out of them, but boy, they get big. Well, quick, but, in my know, opinion, quick. Well, they do, and but the thing is, with pruning, pruning does work. You know, that's what we have to do in our commercial orchards. You know, and it, okay. like with our lemons, you know, we're cutting one side of the top off every year. You know, so we gotcha. have a hedging machine, and we'll sure. go through, and we'll either top them one year or take the you know one side right. off for the other side. So every year we're cutting something to reduce the size of the lemons because you know the, they grow so fast and they get so big, sure. and we we cut them down to twelve feet. You know, and we don't really oh oh okay. So right. we we, we, we but, take what would be a 25 foot lemon and cut it to 12, but we don't ever let them get 25. Gotcha, yes. Boy, Brian, thank you for your help. Thanks, Rick. Bye bye. Uh, Kim and Gilbert, good morning, Kim. Good morning, Brian. I'm I'm calling to be your cheerleader for one of my things. Um, I just yesterday you had a caller who complimented you on their Christmas tree, and I just have to echo that. Our tree, we took it down a few days ago, not really wanting to, but Brian, I don't think that thing lost ten needles. It was just gorgeous and stayed so fresh, and we just thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, Kim, we appreciate the the response. We try awfully hard with Christmas trees. Uh, I know you do. It's well, yeah. it's really important. So, like you know, sometimes we have customers that are frustrated that the day after Thanksgiving they can't buy a Douglas fir or a Grand fir, but we cut trees by the variety and when how long they last. And really, our goal is that every Christmas tree should make it past Epiphany. You know, if they well, can't make point. Epiphany, there's a problem. Ours did. It, it was it was wonderful, and we appreciate that you do that. And I have two other things. One other thing is, ever since my grandkids were little, the oldest one's 18 now, we have come to your Gilbert store, and it's like a field trip there. They absolutely love it. We have just a ball, and that has instilled the love of gardening with them, and they just, boy, when I say, who wants to go to Whitfield's, everybody's jumping in the car, and we're we're coming there, <laughs> so it's a very fun place, um, but my question is, um, there are some trees um, along Guadalupe and also some along Lindsay. They, uh, in, they lose their leaves, but the one thing left on there are these little clusters of red berry looking. There, Kim, we're out of time, but those are red push pistachio trees. Oh, okay. That's what I wanted to know. Okay, really thank well. you. Yeah, I'm sorry we've got a heartbreak. Kim, you make my heart smile. 
Oh, good. You do mine, too. Thank you so much, Brian. Bye-bye. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Hope you're enjoying the program. Jackie, you'll be up next. The number to call during the break, 602-277-5827-277-KTAR.